They haven't bowed the knee nor kissed Baal. And they're serving God with all their hearts. And I'm glad to say I've got to meet some more this week. Amen. I'm so glad to be in revival with you. Thank you for your attendance. Thank you most of all for the way you've responded to the presence of the Lord. And I hope this service will be no different for you here tonight. But uh, we give honor to your pastor and his wife, their family, Brother and Sister Cruz, the leadership of this church as well. Luke chapter 3, begin reading at verse number 15. Luke chapter 3 and verse number 15. And as the people were in expectation and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, John answered saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. Acts chapter 11, we find in verse number 15, Peter is giving the story of what happened in the previous chapter in the house of Cornelius, and he begins to testify to them there, and he says in verse number 15, and as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Notice in the book of Luke that John the Baptist is testifying of what Jesus will do. But notice in the book of Acts that Peter remembers what Jesus said. And it was long before Peter ever even thought about entering the ministry. See, they try to build a doctrine on the Apostle Peter. It didn't start with him. It started with Christ. It was Jesus that it was prophesied would baptize with the Holy Ghost. I just want to preach that little thought tonight. Baptized with the Holy Ghost. Would you stretch your hands this way? Help me pray over this message here tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would help us in the remainder of this service. Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this house tonight. Lord, we give you the glory for what we have already felt in your presence. We thank you, Jesus, on this Thursday night of revival that we have felt the moving and the stirring of the Holy Ghost in this house. We have felt you rest on us. We have felt you move on us. And now I pray, Lord, you would take us to the next level and baptize us in your power. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. I thank you tonight that somebody for the first time is going to receive the Holy Ghost. I thank you tonight, Lord, that some elder saint that's been living it for years and years will feel again the fresh touch of the wind of God blowing through their soul. Let it be done tonight for the glory of God. Edify this church, Lord. Hallelujah to your holy name. Edify this church in the name of Jesus. If you believe the Lord's going to do it tonight, shout amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. We notice that in our text of St. Luke's Gospel in chapter 3, 
John the Baptist gave testimony. He said, I indeed baptize you with water. And how many believes tonight that water baptism is an ordinance of the church? Ordinance meaning it is a commandment given by Christ, but yet it is not uh, necessarily hinging upon your salvation does not hinge upon water baptism. Your obedience to the word of the Lord is that you call on the name of the Lord and the Bible says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But it also says that he that believeth not shall be damned. So it doesn't mean that we have to be baptized in water in order to be saved. But if you want your life to exhibit the life of Christ, if we want our lives to uh, mirror, if you will, the life of Christ and of His ministry, we too should be baptized in a, in a baptismal somewhere, in a baptistry, in a creek, in a river, in a lake, somewhere in a swimming pool. I baptized folks in a knee-deep swimming pool, and it was just as real as this we, as if we was in the Mississippi River. I baptized one guy, and he come up talking in tongues. Hallelujah! It doesn't matter the venue; it matters your obedience to the word of the Lord. And so John says, I'm baptizing you with water, but there's one coming after me, and he's going to walk down on the muddy shores. He's going to walk down on the muddy bank of Jordan, and I'm going to baptize him with water, just like I'm baptizing you with water. But there's something that he has been commissioned to do that I am unable to do. The Holy Ghost has been commissioned to do some things that not even your pastor is able to I can tell you here tonight, there's some folks sitting on these pews. I, I, I've heard testimony, and I was one of them, one of those chronic seekers, you know. I could wear out the entire side. Them, all the men on that side could wear them out seeking for the Holy Ghost when I was a teenager. And as much as every one of those men wanted to baptize me in the Holy Ghost, they did not have the power to do so. As much as your pastor would love to lay hands on you, and immediately baptize you in the spirit. It's got to be your choice and it's got to be your life submitted to the authority of Christ. John said, I'll baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. He's gonna come and he's not gonna sprinkle you. He's not gonna little dabble do you. No, he's going to baptize you. He's going to submerge you in the spirit of God. I'm afraid there's a lot of folks in these last days that they got baptized in the Holy Ghost decades ago and they feel like that when they come to the house of God and they feel a little sprinkle on their forehead and they feel a little mercy drop around us that's falling and they feel like that they've really gotten in touch with God. I can tell you friend there is nothing like the Holy Ghost coming and re-baptizing you and re filling you all over again. I think it would do the church a lot of good and it take care of a lot of problems in the house of the living God if some folks got refilled with the Holy Ghost. I say Holy Ghost on a Thursday night. Come by Broadway Assembly and refill us with your power. Rebaptize us in the fire of the Holy Ghost. That's what I need. 
the envious hour. Every one of us not only need to be baptized, but the commandment is given in the book of Ephesians. Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That word filled in the Greek, it means to cram as absolutely much as possible. We'll fit in that box. We'll fit in that vessel. Have you ever left church and you feel like the God had filled you to the point there was no empty room left? There was no room for self. There was no room for doubt. There was no room for pride. If you opened up that vessel, it was all Holy Ghost. It was all Jesus. It was all the anointing of the living God. That's what he wants to do in this church here tonight. Well, preacher, it's been a while since I've talked in tongues. I say it's time tonight to get a fresh touch of God in your soul and be rebaptized in the Holy Ghost. April the 25th of 2006, the Lord put on my soul the call to preach this gospel. And I saw, Pastor, what other preachers had gone through and what they had been through. And I knew the only way that I would survive and be effective was to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I made up my mind that week of revival, Pastor Brian Yates McDonald preaching in a little church. Well, it wasn't a little church. They run about 130, 140 people. Powerful church. Pastor Bob Goodwin was there. How many remember Sister, Sister uh, Claire Beam, Sister Claire Wilmerton? They're married now, still going on and doing the work of the Lord. Amen. I was preaching revival at their church just this year. And I can tell you that Brother Bob Goodwin, 91 years old, is still full of the Holy Ghost. Was preaching one night, that message I preached last night from Mark chapter 5. Holy Ghost got to moving in that place. And if any of you ever remember Sister Beam, any of you remember Sister Wilmerton, how quiet sometimes that she was. And her voice was just soft and soothing. And she she had like a radio voice. You know what I, I hope she's watching here tonight. But I can tell you what happened in that service this year as the Holy Ghost started falling just like he did on Peter while Peter was preaching. The Holy Ghost started to fall while this preacher was preaching. Here comes Brother Goodwin, 91 years old, shuffling on that walker and talking in tongues. And right behind him comes Sister Goodwin. And she's twirling and floating and talking in the Holy Ghost. I tell you, friend, you know how you can make it to an old age and still be victorious. You know how Sir Sister McMillan made it to what she did and accomplished what she did. It's because she was full of the Holy Ghost. I think sometimes we sell ourselves short and we wear ourselves too thin trying to do it in my own strength when all I need to do is be baptized in the power of God. Raise your hand up to the Lord and just tell him, Lord, that's what I need. Lord, that's what I need. And so, after that the Holy Ghost is poured out upon them, the Bible says that there were some 
who began to resist the moving of the Holy Ghost. They began to resist the growth of the church at Jerusalem. Keep in mind that any time that the Pharisees in your church begin to lose control of the crowd, they're going to start raising up and they're going to start causing some problems. You know why? Because they are not running the church tonight. The Holy Ghost is the manager of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. And he said that when I send the Holy Ghost, he will give those gifts of the Spirit to every man severally as he will. And how many knows that when he comes, he does not speak of himself. He will only speak of Christ. And can I encourage you here tonight that if somebody begins to manifest in what we perceive to be a gift of the Spirit, and it's only pointing to them and it's only magnifying them can I submit to you of the authority of the word of God that they are not being moved on by the Holy Ghost because when they're moved on by the gifts of the spirit it's going to glorify Christ and it's going to edify the body I said it's going to glorify the master and it's going to build up the local assembly so he said they got to chapter 3 and they find that lame man laying there at the gate called Beautiful. And the Bible says that Peter and John walked up to him and he came. He was looking at them and expecting to receive something from them, no doubt. Maybe shaking his cup or reaching out his hands. And he said, silver and gold have I none. I don't know how long it was from the time of Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit was poured out until chapter 3 verse 1. And they were making their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. Can I ask you tonight, how much power do you have when you walk out of a prayer meeting after you've had the Holy Ghost dealing with you and moving on you? Can I submit to you that these men had so much power that they were able to raise a lame man on the way to prayer meeting. I said they were on their way to the house of God and outside the gate where the lame and the halt had to stay because they were not welcome into the house of God. And so they lifted him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And they went on and everybody saw what was going on and they pulled the apostles into the council and they demanded by what power or by what name that they had done this and Peter one more time he said look on us and understand it's not our power and it's not our holiness that's made this man to walk but God hath glorified his son Jesus how many knows that the church that glorifies Christ will see miracles they'll see the outpouring of the Spirit of God in their midst. They pulled them aside and they began to threaten them. They said that they were threatened to the point that they should no more teach or preach in that name. And how many knows what they did? They didn't get on Facebook and brag about the fact that they were under persecution. <laughs> and don't shoot the messenger here tonight. I got Facebook. You can find me on there if you want to be friends. 
But listen to me. They went back to where it all started for them. They didn't get in the devil's face and say, well, devil, look you here. Let's go find us another lame man. We'll prove to you that we've got the power. No, they realized that they were not the source of the power of God. And what did they do? But they went back to prayer. I said that. That's still what brings revival. I, I, I hope that you haven't forgot we're in revival this week. And when the Holy Ghost moves in this house, Sister Jones, it's going to be because somebody made a sacrifice in prayer. If somebody's healed this week, it's because somebody found a closet of prayer. If somebody's saved, if somebody's delivered in this house this week, Brother Cruz, it's going to be because somebody paid the price for God to move in this house. You understand they went to prayer and the Bible says that they prayed they asked God they said why are the heathen raging why are the kings of the earth stood up against the Lord and against his Christ and they said you've commissioned us to preach the word of God you've told us exactly what we're supposed to do and the Bible says that they were praying and they said what shall we do they, they asked among themselves those that were criticizing the apostles they said a notable miracle has, by done, has been done by them and it's manifest to all them that dwell at Jerusalem I like this it says and we cannot deny it we cannot deny what has happened he said we cannot but speak of the things which we have seen and heard and the Bible says that they went to prayer for the truth against thy holy child Jesus I'm in chapter 4 and verse uh, number here we are in verse number 29 and they said and now Lord behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. They went back to where it all started. The pressure of the situation in their church drove them back to the upper room. And I say tonight that the pressure is on to see why haunt you between two opinions. If Jehovah is God, then let him be God. But if Baal is God, then what are we doing on top of this mountain? Follow Baal. But I choose tonight to serve the God that answers by fire. I choose to serve the one that answers by fire. And they prayed and the place was shaken. They were all filled again with the power of the Holy Ghost. The pressure of the situation at hand drove them back to the upper room. How many of you have gotten to that place where the pressure drove you back to your knees and you realize if I'm going to get through this if I'm going to power through it's going to be because I got refilled with the Holy Ghost don't hear that preached on a whole lot anymore but I remember as a kid it was probably just about at least one Sunday night a month. Pastor would nail us to the wall. 
and he'd tell us, you boys need to be full of the Holy Ghost. You boys, your experience needs to be up to date with the Spirit of God. Oh, Brother Bob Goodwin would look over his glasses at those teenage boys and he'd tell them, boys, there's rebellion in your hearts. You need to get right with God and get full of the Holy Ghost again. Because see, the Holy Ghost won't dwell in the same vessel with rebellion. You hear me? I said he won't stay in the same place where the spirit of rebellion is running around. But the pressure of the situation they were in, it drove them back to the upper room. It seemed like the Pharisees and all of those that stood against them were trying to marginalize the church and paint the church into a corner and say you can do this and this and this. But when it comes to this, that's off limits. I'm telling you here tonight, if we show up every night this week to have revival and all we do is sing and worship and kick up our heels but we walk out with the same shackles that we walked in with. If we walk out with the same bitterness that we came in with. If we walk out in the same empty state that we came in with. The devil has won. I said the devil has won. But if there's a church that stands up and says enough is enough. I feel the pressure but I'm going back to where the power is. I'm going back to where it all started in the beginning. There was a familiar attraction, especially, I feel like, for the Apostle Peter to go and gravitate back toward the flesh. And any time that we go a while without a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost, that's what's going to happen. We're going to start gravitating toward the flesh. We're going to get in this pulpit and think we can do it all by ourselves. We're going to get in front of that Sunday school class and feel like, oh, it's just another random Sunday morning. I've got my lesson ready. I can tell you, friend, the first time I felt the power of the Holy Ghost was in a Sunday school classroom in children's church on a Sunday morning at the age of five and six years old. My Sunday school teacher was 14, full of the power of God. She'd lay hands on people and they'd be healed. She'd speak in tongues and give the interpretation. She would sing in the Holy Ghost in front of a bunch of little kids. In children's church, we knew that that girl's got something. Our teacher has got the real thing. I can tell you, friend, if we're fighting the adversary, it's not going to be our power. It's not going to be our strength. He said, not by mind and not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. We too, like Peter, will face that familiar attraction to gravitate toward the flesh. We'll face that attraction to get... Comfortable because how many knows that comfortable is easier? I like to get comfortable. Lord willing, here in just a little while after church, I'm going to go get comfortable. I'm going to take these old shoes off. And I'm going to put some slides on. Well, I ain't got no real people here tonight, do I? It's easier to be comfortable. 
it's easier to go with the flow. But I can tell you, there's a group of people in this house that are not willing to go with the flow. They've made up their mind in this revival. I'm going to stand against the tides. I'm, going to, I, I'm not going with that. But, but I, I'm going to tell you here tonight that the people that decide that they're going to go with the flow, they're only going to add to the resistance of the people that are seeking the move of God. They're only going to add for the things that we've got to push through. My friend, this week, I don't want to stand in the way of what God wants to do at Broadway Assembly. I'm not proud enough. I'm not so good. I'm not so big. I'm not such a great preacher that I can say, give me. I got 500 servants on that notepad I'm ready to preach. I've got a fire in my belly, but I want it to be what thus saith the Lord. I don't want to do it without the Holy Ghost. I don't want to strive for revival without the power of God. And I feel like there's a church right here on Broadway that says we're not satisfied to have church without the power of God. We're not satisfied to try to win the loss without the power of God we're not ready and we're not able to do it but oh God would you pour on my vessel tonight would you feel until it's overflowing they faced a familiar attraction to gravitate toward the flesh and so will we but the moment that we do like they did and we crucify the flesh with the affections and lusts and we put it on the cross, there will come a moment that we feel the fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost as he becomes to saturate our soul. I said, I need a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost to come and saturate my soul. I felt him in this house last night, but that was yesterday. I've slept since then. I've been tempted since then. Listen to me, church. I've fought the devil since then. I've faced temptation since I felt his presence and his power last night. I need him on a daily basis. If his grace and his mercy is new every morning, I think the least I can do is make my commitment fresh every day. Keep my baptism fresh every day. And say, Holy Ghost, fall on my vessel again. The pressure drove them back to the upper room. And we find that they did whatever that it took to make sure that the Holy Ghost was in the arrangements. I'm going to tell on your pastor a little bit. Last night, before the service, as I walked into the prayer room, I'm not putting flowers on him. He wouldn't take him if I tried to. But I can tell you that man was praying for you. He wasn't just praying. We could have a good meeting because we're live on Facebook and everybody's watching. Wasn't praying because we got a reputation to uphold as the Broadway Assembly in Lorain, Ohio. You know, he was praying for the crews because he's desperate for a move of God in this church. At six o'clock prompt, he walked into that prayer room tonight. I was already ready for church, so I went in just a few minutes earlier, played a little bit of music, and here he comes, walking in that prayer room pacing the floor, saying, oh God, would you pour out on this church tonight? 
I didn't tell nobody what I was preaching. Sister Gans didn't know what I was preaching. I didn't call Sister Sarah. I didn't call Brother Cruz. Tell them, hey, this is what I'm preaching. This is what you need to sing. The Holy Ghost is wanting to move and do some things. In this church this week, I'm not saying we're dead. I'm not saying God has written us off. No, I'm just saying if we're going to keep going, if we're going to start facing some things, if we're going to start facing the beginning of sorrows, and the persecution that is coming on the church. You hear me? It's coming on the church. I see people nodding heads all over this house. Poke up your hand if you believe that there's some persecution that's about to start taking place in the church. I'm not going through a great tribulation. I don't have to face the wrath of God or the wrath of the Lamb because the wrath of God was poured out on Christ on that cross. I'm not going to face the wrath of God. But believe you me, if there's a church that's full of the Holy Ghost, a church that has the power of God moving in their services, there's persecution around the corner, and the only way we're going to survive is a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost, that we might stand against the wiles of the devil, that we might take up the shield of faith and quench the fiery darts. That's what it's going to take in this hour. We see the pressure of the saints, pressure of the situation drives the saints back into that prayer room. And their persistence said, we're not going to stop no matter who stands against us. They said, we cannot but speak of the things which we have seen and heard. John and Peter answered and said, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. You judge whether or not I should listen to God more than I should listen to a man or a government. I can tell you, this is my first constitution. There is a red-blooded 200-pound American behind this pulpit here tonight. And I will stand for this country and for this nation. But I can tell you here tonight that we have begun to move far beyond the originality of what we were built on as a nation. And persecution is around the corner. Especially for the church that has forgotten God. Especially for those who have no power. Especially for those who have been playing church and acting like everything is fine. But it's coming to our house, church. I said it's coming here. It's coming to broad. I don't know how long that is going to be. If God has grace and the trumpet sounds before then, we're going to get out of here. But I just happen to feel that just like in the olden times when the persecution was on. That's when the church was at its greatest power. That's when the church had its greatest day. Is when the pressure was on. And I feel like before we get out of here, we're not going to say that our greatest days were behind us. But we're going to realize this is our finest hour as the body of Christ. Now, I've got to understand that the initial evidence of being filled with the Spirit as we understand in Scripture and as we preach from this book, the speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And even that doctrine now is under attack in Pentecostal churches. 
the doctrine of speaking with other tongues as the initial sign outward evidence. I can have a dog that shows me love, follows me around, and he's faithful. Don't bite my hand when I reach out to touch him. He's gentle. Oh, yes. Long-suffering. Let kids ride all over his back all over the yard. But guess what? That don't mean that dog is filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's a doctrine going around today that says you can be filled with the Spirit without speaking in other tongues as long as you're exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. Last time I checked, when I got saved, I had the love of God. When I was born again, I took on the nature of Christ, which is a nature of gentleness, a nature of long-suffering, a nature of goodness. But it's got to go beyond just the fruit. That's not my fruit. That's the fruit of the Spirit. I know need to be baptized until I speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. But don't think tonight that speaking in tongues is the epitome of the Pentecostal experience. And there's a lot of people that do. Well, we only got a few services here, Pastor. I hope, I hope we're not getting too deep too quick. Too close, cutting it too... Speaking with other tongues is not the pinnacle of power in the church. Speaking with other tongues, and it is necessary. I said it is necessary. There are times in the English language I don't have all the words that I need to describe and to express the burden of my heart in prayer. And that's why the Spirit comes and makes groanings. He, we groan with groanings which cannot be uttered. And the Spirit is making intercession for us. I need to pray in the Holy Ghost. As Jude said, and build up myself on my most holy faith. But I cannot accept that that is the apex of the anointing. No, the height and the zenith of Zion here tonight is the fact that with great power we give witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. If the world doesn't know anything else about Broadway Assembly, make sure they know they serve a risen Savior and he's in the world today. They're serving a Christ that is alive and well. And because of that resurrection power, they can receive the power of God. They can have their past washed away. They can be justified by faith. And they too can receive the power of God. I have too much respect for the triune God to teach someone to speak in tongues. And the church that does so has lost the fear of God. What would it be if like in Acts chapter 5, Peter looked at Ananias and Sapphira. He said, you've not lied unto men but unto God. And in the next verse he said, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of people sitting on church pews and they're living a lie in front of the Holy Ghost. Don't let it be, Holy Ghost, that I come to church and I can pretend like I have something that I don't have. And I can pretend that I am something that I am not because the devil knows who you are. 
not only does God know, nevertheless the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, but the devil knows who you are. Why do you think the seven sons of Sceva, one preacher called them the seven sons with empty guns, had nothing to offer, had nothing to stand up against the devil with, and they fled out of that house in shame and nakedness. And there's TV preachers, and there's pastors behind pulpits, and there's people in church pews that the devil has begun in these last days to expose them for who they really are. And I don't know about you, but I feel somewhat of a shame when they take on themselves the name of Pentecostal but they're acting like that mess has got some kind of power and the devil knows that there's nothing to it and the demons know that there's nothing to it and it's people that are well meaning and they're hungry that they think they've got something with God I tell you friend let's give them something real let's show them let it Broadway assembly we've got the power of God Raise your hands with me here tonight. I need the help of the Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost, in this house tonight. God, convict my soul. God, convict my soul. The pressure of the situation drove them to the upper room. The persistence of the saints, they said, we will not do this without the power of the Holy Ghost. And when they submitted over and over and over, and they prayed again and again and again. They found the power of the Spirit to be real and relevant in their lives, in their churches. I can tell you every chapter of the Acts of the Holy Ghost was full of power. Chapter 1, they now are using the Urim and the Thummim, casting lots for the last time to understand what the will of the Lord is because now the Holy Ghost is about to come and reveal unto them the will of God. And they choose one to take the place of Judas after Judas goes out and takes his own life. And then they come to chapter 2 and we understand the promise is poured out. In chapter 3, the lame man gets up and begins to walk and they can say nothing against it. In chapter 4, they prayed and they said, let us preach the word of God with boldness and they were refilled again with the power of the Holy Ghost. In chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost and because at the word of Peter those two fell down dead and they drug them out and buried them side by side. I can tell you in that same chapter that the Holy Ghost began to move on that church. They brought the sick and laid them out in the street and just the, just the apostles passing by them. The power of God that traveled with them. Those people were healed that whole city received the gospel of Christ. In chapter 6, they chose out deacons that were full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. In chapter 7, we find Stephen full of faith and full of power. And the Holy Ghost begins all the way back. He starts with Abraham in the very beginning and begins to preach the gospel to those Pharisees and those devout Jews and those that were questioning and disputing with him. And the Bible says, that the conviction came on them so strong that they ran on him and they gnashed on him with their teeth. We know that he was the first martyr in the New Testament.
Testament. The first one to give up his life. But he looked at them with boldness. He said, you stiff-necked. You're uncircumcised in your heart. You're always resisting the Holy Ghost. Would to God we had some people that were bold enough to walk up to somebody and say, you're not resisting the pastor. You're not resisting the deacon. You're resisting the Holy Ghost. And you're not going any further. In chapter 8, we find that Philip goes to Samaria and preaches and performs miracles. He's got four little girls and they're prophesying under the power of God. And great joy comes to that city. In chapter 9, Paul goes and he lifts up Aeneas and he's healed instantly after having cerebral palsy for eight years. In chapter 10, the Holy Ghost is poured out on the Gentiles. Every chapter is full of power. Oh God, I feel your power in this house. Stand with me all over this house right now. Y'all come to the music if you would, please. Come on, lift up your hand to the Lord right here. Oh God. My God. Do you feel the power of God in this house? Do you feel the presence of the Holy Ghost? Do you feel Jesus walking up and down these aisles tonight? I said, do you feel the God of heaven walking up and down these aisles tonight? Nineteen hundred and twenty-one. One hundred years ago, this church opened its doors for the first time. They might not have been people that speak the same language that we speak. They may have lived, might have lived a little bit of a different lifestyle. They might have ate some different food. They might have been from a different country. But they operated under the same power of the Holy Ghost that we have in this service tonight. The reason why this church was established is because some people got under a burden and they prayed until the Holy Ghost began to shake some things in the city of Lorain, Ohio. For 100 years, if I can say it this way, there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. But you read at the end, you know Luke wrote the book of Acts, right? Detailed accounts of everything that he saw, everything that he heard. But at the end, there's no salutation. There's no grace to you. Greet our brethren with a holy, none of that. No, it seems as if he left the scroll and the ink and the quill at his table for someone else to come along and write in the next chapter. And for a hundred years, a hundred chapters, if you will, I believe, there have been chapters that this church closed them out and said, wow, I'm glad that's over. I'm glad that's done. And there were some chapters probably we were not ready to bring it to a close and move into the next one. But I submit to you here tonight, I don't have to know all the details, but I know tonight that every chapter of Broadway Assembly has been full of power and full of miracles. I've, I've heard stories from at least 33 of those years 
as Sister Charlotte Smith sat on this organ, and Sister Weta Forbes, rather known as Momo to me, sat on this piano and played under the power of God Sunday morning after Sunday morning conviction service after conviction service when they would play people would come down to the altar and break themselves and give their lives to Christ every chapter is full of miracles I know 2020 was crazy for all of us and there's some churches the pastor they they apologize. I'm sorry the crowd is low. I'm sorry this. I'm sorry that. And I look them right in the eye and I say, Pastor, I want you to know that you're not alone. Every church has been hit by the spirit of fear. You listen to me. Every church has been tempted to close their doors. Some of them have and some of them haven't. But every church has been tempted to fall prey to the spirit of fear. But let me tell you tonight that this chapter, the 100th chapter of Broadway Assembly, we are not about to start falling to the spirit of fear. That spirit did not come from our Father. The only spirit that comes from our Father is a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you've got power in your life tonight, it's because it came from the Father. If you've got love in your life tonight, it's because the Holy Ghost has shed abroad the love of God in your hearts by His Spirit. If you've got anything to offer this world, it's not because of the name that's over the church. It's not because granddaddy back so and so a hundred years ago was here. No. It's because you have an up-to-date experience with the Spirit of God. And in this revival, that's what God wants for every one of us. I don't care if you slap for the Holy Ghost. Find somebody and lay hands on them and let's make sure that in this revival that we are filled to overflowing. Come hell or high water. Come persecution. Come what may. We can stand under the unction. We can declare the word of God under the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. If that's your prayer here tonight, won't you make a move toward God? Come on, won't you make a move toward God as they begin to sing? Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Make that your prayer. Send the power just now and baptize everyone.